Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. Well, I want to first start with um, our nuggets, the first three of which we touched on last time, but I sure want to bring them up again. And then um, I've added a few nuggets onto that. So our first nugget said, uh, prayer is communication with the almighty creator of heaven and earth who loves us and invites us into his presence. That was our first nugget. Second nugget, God's love for us has opened up the door for us to have easy access to the father. Third nugget, my words of supplication moves the heart of the king of the universe. Now, the fourth nugget for tonight will be prayer was an integral part of Jesus's time on earth, and he prayed regularly. And then number five in our last uh, nugget will be prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. So we have five uh, nuggets there. Uh, I'm going to touch base real um, on the first ones I've covered in the first lesson just to kind of get us uh, reconnected, and then we'll go from there. So the first one we said prayer is communication with the almighty creator of heaven and earth who loves us and invites us into his presence. Now, if you look in Jeremiah 33, 3, God actually invites us to talk to him. And he is the creator of the universe. As a matter of fact, go ahead and turn to 33, 3. But before you turn there, think about this. If President Biden was passing through Missouri and he decided while he was passing through Missouri to stop at your house. He just pulled your name, let's say, out of a hat, and he decided to stop by your house. You would be some excited. Am I correct? You would be very excited. And matter of fact, you probably will go on and call some friends and tell them, you won't believe this, but President Biden is coming to my house. Now, when we talk about the almighty creator of heaven and earth, he's much more important, much more, got a much higher status than President Biden. And he is willing to come by your house and commune with you as often as you desire. That's the awesome part about the God that we serve, that he is willing to come by as often as you desire and spend time with you. So we're going to Jeremiah 33 is where you should be now. Jeremiah 33. And we're looking at verse number three. And that says... Call to me, and I will answer you and show you 
great and mighty things, fenced in and hidden, which you do not know, do not distinguish and recognize, have knowledge of and understand. So he's going to show us mighty things, but he tells us to do what? To call to him. And in response, he says, not only will you, I'm engaging you, I'm asking you to call on me. He's also saying to you that as you call on me, I will hear you. And this is the one area where we, some of us have our greatest struggle is does God really hear my prayers? I know he hears grandma's prayers. I know he hears auntie's prayers. I know he hears Pastor Halp's prayers. I know he hears those prayers. But does he hear my prayers? And so let's look at some scriptures that uh, tell us that God hears us. So let's go to 1 Peter 3. We're going to go to 1 Peter 3. And you really have got to get a hold of this because God loves to hear from you. He hears you and he responds accordingly. So we should be in 1 Peter. And uh, it's chapter 3, verse number 2. I'm sorry, verse number 12. It says, while you wait and earnestly long for, expect and hasten the coming of the day of God by reason of which, uh, I'm not sure I got the right one on that one. Uh, Okay, let's go to Jeremiah 29 then, because I think I got that down wrong. So let's quickly go to Jeremiah 29. In verse 12, it says, Then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will hear. I will hear and heed you. I will hear and heed you. That's a promise God is making to us as believers. You'll pray. I'll hear and I'll heed, okay? Uh, Let's go to uh, Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65, and we're going to take a look at verse... 24 and it shall be that before they call before they call I will answer and while they are yet speaking I will hear so God's telling you before you even call I will answer so you never have to be concerned whether or not he's going to listen to you he's heard you before you call And he says, I am going to answer. That is a promise to you as a believer. He is going to answer. So never doubt the fact that God hears you and never doubt the fact that he will pray. He will will answer you, okay? Let's look at nugget, nugget number two said, God's great love for us 
has opened up the door for us to have easy access to the Father. And this, believe me, if you do not um, to get a full appreciation for what this means, uh, you need to go and read Leviticus and Numbers in the Old Testament because there were so many rules regarding how you can approach God and how you could enter into his presence. There were so many rules that honestly, I, I, I'm amazed that people were able to keep them. It was phenomenal, the number of rules they had. And the wonderful part about Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us is that he opened the door so that we can approach the throne of grace. And we can do it, not only approach it, we can do it boldly. The Bible says to come boldly before the throne of grace. And we can do that because of what Jesus did for us. And that has to do with the fact that God loved us. He loved us so much. But then he decided that he's going to help us a little bit further. Not only has he made easy access to the throne of grace, then he says to you, okay, now uh, I'm going to put my spirit in you, the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to place it in you. And as a result of me placing it in you, he is going to help you pray. I mean, think about this. God loves us so much that he knew you couldn't do it quite the way you needed to on your own. So he places his very spirit in you, and the spirit in you prays for you, helps you to pray. Go to Romans 8. I want you to see that. That is very important. Romans 8. And we're looking at uh, verse um, 26. It says, so too the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But listen to this. But the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit of God himself, goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. The Holy Spirit prays on our behalf. This is a win-win situation. You got to admit, it's win-win. And then, um, uh, let's look at uh, the nugget number three. Uh, said, my words, or it's my words, my prayers, my words, moves the heart of the king of the universe. My prayers moves the heart of the king of the universe. That means that not only does God hear your prayers, he is going to answer them. He is moved by your prayers, okay? When we tap into his, uh, his resources by faith, we're tapping into his resources by faith and pray, guess what? Miracles happen. We're tapping into his resources by faith and prayer, and then miracles happen. That is something to think about. Miracles happen. So prayer is about spending time with God, learning his ways, his wisdom, getting refreshed in his presence, filling up on his peace, and embracing his love for us. I'm going to say that again.
Prayer is about spending time with God and learning his ways, his wisdom, getting refreshed in his presence, filling up on his peace, and embracing his love for us. That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is. So when you're praying, don't get all wrapped up in, do I have the right words? Do I say the right words? Is my prayer long enough? You know, all the things we get wrapped up with when we have to do with prayer. And I'm telling you that God is not, you know, as tied up with that as we are. He just wants us to spend time with him. Okay? So here we go. Let's go to nugget number four. Prayer was an integral part of Jesus' time on earth, and he prayed regularly. Now, I know very often uh, we have had lots of lessons on the model prayer, the prayer that God, uh, Jesus gave his disciples. We get lots of lessons on that. But I don't know that we've received a whole lot of lessons on the fact that Jesus prayed. And he, as the son of man, prayed. He prayed regularly. It was not haphazard. It was not once in a while. Jesus prayed regularly. As a matter of fact, he prayed in a number of settings, right? He prayed in private, and he prayed in public. In times of joy and times of sorrow, he prayed. He prayed for himself, and he prayed for others. He prayed to express thanks to the Father. He prayed to petition, petition for needs. He prayed to communicate with the Father. But he constantly prayed. And this is the interesting thing. I found close to 30 verses where Jesus prayed in the New Testament. And I think a lot of times what happens is that we just kind of brush over it. But this is important because that, that means if Jesus thought it was important to pray, how much more important is for us to follow suit and do accordingly? So I'm going to give you a few scriptures where it shows that Jesus prayed. Let's go to Mark 1 and 5, 1, 1, 35. Mark 1, chapter 1, and verse 35. And it says, in the morning, long before daylight, he, meaning Jesus, got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. So he found it very, very uh, essential that he pray early in the morning. Now, I'm not saying that you, you know, uh, I just find like praying in the morning works, works pretty good uh, because it, it, you don't have time for a whole lot of things to bombard your brain and you don't get start uh, overwhelmed with the items going on, everything going on during the day. And it's getting a little bit harder as the day goes on. It gets harder and harder. You got to work a little bit harder at praying. But in the morning, it's just a lot easier. You get up, and the first thing you do is start praying. 
And I'm telling you, that's a wonderful time to spend time with God. So Jesus prayed. Okay, let's go to Mark 5, 16. Mark chapter 5, verse 16. Now, this is very interesting because I think, uh, and, I, and I'm going to tell on myself, uh, because I have um, read this and just kind of passed over it. Um, Okay, I apologize once again. I was writing these down probably a little bit too quickly. Um, but this is at the baptism. When Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist, and he goes down into the water, and as he comes up, he comes up praying. And when he comes up praying, then the heavens are open. And God says, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased. And that is during his baptism by John the Baptist. And I gave you the wrong verse, but I will correct that and send you the right one um, as soon as I uh, leave out of here today. And I apologize for that. Uh, let's go to Luke 3. Okay, this is what I wanted. Luke 3, 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and while he was still praying, the visible heaven was open. Now, I know most of us probably read that before and never saw the part where he was praying. But Jesus was praying, and as he was praying, then the heavens opened up, and God spoke. Let's go to John 6, 11. John chapter 6. Verse 11. And it says, Jesus took the loaves. He's getting ready to feed the 5,000. He took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, given thanks, that's prayer, isn't it? He had given thanks. He distributed to the disciples and, and disciples to the reclining people. And so he did with the fish and as much as they wanted. So they got to eat as much as they wanted. And God began by just thanking God, praying to God. Father, thank you that you're going to bless this. He, and, and, and he fed 5,000 as a result. Let's go to John 11. And this is in John 11 when Jesus is praying. 
for Lazarus. And this is on verse 42, John 11, 41 and 42. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Yes, I know you always hear and listen to me, but I have said this on account of and on the benefit of the people standing around so that they may believe that you have sent me. So God is, Jesus is letting everybody know that he prays and as a result of his relationship with the father, the father heard him and he did it out loud so that everybody would know. He wanted everybody to know, okay? And then uh, let's go to one last one, which is Luke 22. Luke 22. And that is verse 31. 31 and 32. Okay. And this is Jesus. He's talking to Simon Peter at this time. Okay. And he says, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen. Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him out of the power and keeping of God that he might sift all of you like grain. Goodness, that's kind of something else, huh? Then he says, one, this is, and this is the part that really gets you. He says, but I have prayed especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. So Jesus is telling Peter's point blank, I have prayed for you that your strength might not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. So he's telling Peter, the devil wanted to take you out, but I have prayed for you. I have covered you. And, this, uh, and, and, and keep that in mind because I want you to know that to this day, Jesus still intercedes for the saints. The Bible tells us that he is on the right hand of the Father in heaven but he still intercedes for the saints. And that's glorious news. Now, not only do you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God in you, praying for you, we have Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, now sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding and praying for us. Go to Romans 8. That same chapter when we found about the Holy Spirit praying for us. We're going to chapter, uh, verse 8, and we're going to verse, uh, we're going to look at uh, verse um, 34. And it says, who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather who has, was raised from the dead? Now, this, listen to this who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading, actually pleading as he intercedes for us. Are we in a win-win situation? I mean, are we in a win-win? God has fixed this thing. Think about this. God has fixed it so not only do you, I mean, 
I don't know how you think about this and not get so excited you almost want to run all over the, all over the church building, okay? Because he sent his son to die for us on the cross. Jesus dies for us on the cross. He ascends to the Father in heaven. He sends the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be in us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, direct us. And on top of all that, he intercedes for us on our behalf. And then, not only does Jesus do all that for us, then he's sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding in our behalf. I mean, that ought to make you feel like you just, <laughs> do you feel like the most important person to real right about now? That God has gone through all that just for, just for me, just for you. He loves you that much. He did all that just for you so you could be victorious in your Christian walk. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I just, I think, I think it's phenomenal. And you've got to love God as a result. You have to love him. So let's talk about number five, because this is really where I really, where I really want to go. Nugget number five. And it says, prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. Prayer is the portal. And uh, I want to look at two scriptures first, and then I'm going to talk to you about what I see and what I think God expects of us. But let's go to Daniel 11. And I'm going to read it in the King James first, and then I'll read it in the Amplified. And it says, and this is uh, in Daniel 11, uh, verse 32. And it says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. And that's not the part that I want to look at. It's part B that I really want to emphasize. And it says, but the people, but the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. But the people who know their God shall be strong. And I think it's New King James says, and carry out great exploits. Now look at uh, the same thing verse in uh, the Amplified Bible. It says, as, much as, as such as violate the covenant, he shall pervert and seduce with flatteries. But the people who know their God shall prove themselves strong and stand firm. And do exploits for God. The people who know their God. Do we know our God? The people who know their God. Shall do great exploits. That tells me. That when you as a believer. Get up in the morning. When you get up in the morning. The very foundation of hell should shake. Because you've opened your eyes and you're going to do great exploits for God during the span of that day. That's what it says to me. That, the, that those who know their God will stand strong and do great ex, exploits for God. And so, so there's some criteria going on in there, right? 
Okay, because the first thing he says is what? Those who know their God. So you have to know your God in order for you to fulfill the rest of that scripture. And this is the thing I think we get confused with. Salvation is not knowing your God. Salvation is just the initial entry point to the ballpark. That's all that is. It's your initial entry. It's just like you have a learner's permit uh, when you're driving a car. When you get that, the day you walk out of that um, uh, the driver's license bureau with that permit, you are not a certified driver. All it says is that you have a card that allows you to get some training time in. And that training time is however long it takes you to learn how to drive a car, okay? Well, I can't tell you how long it takes you to know your God. I do know it's progressive. That much I do know. And I do know that uh, part of knowing your God has to do with the time you spend with him. See, because you can't know anybody well unless you spend time with them. How many times have you met someone and then five years later you say, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, you didn't have that kind of relationship. But when you have a relationship with somebody and you're really tight, then for the most part, there's nothing. They'll come out of their mouth. They'll surprise you because you know them that well. Well, do you know God that well? And I'm not saying do you know about him, okay? Because we know a lot about God. But do you really know him? And Jesus knew him. Why? Because he spent time in prayer. And he always talked to the Father to find out what the Father wanted, what the Father needed, what the Father wanted to do next. He constantly stayed in communication with God. And we as believers, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to stay in constant communication with God. And one way that we do that is through prayer. The other way you do that is what? Through his word. You get to know him through his word. And there's no way that you can know him if all you're doing is praying and not reading his word. You've got to combine both together because he reveals himself to us in his word. Matter of fact, he'll even talk to you as you're reading his word. There's some things his spirit, his, his spirit in you will say, oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, I never saw that before. That's phenomenal. But you'll, and you'll get that as you are spending time in the word, learning to know him. And when you know him, you know his ways. You know what he does, how he acts. And so there was something that comes along that's contrary to his word. You're not stumped because you know that's not God. I, I know that's not God. That's not even an issue. I'm not going that route. I know that's not God. How do you know it's not God? Because your spirit man has spent so much time with God that you know him, you know his ways, you know what he, how he does things, and so you're not pulled off into some kind of strange um, uh, prophecy or whatever because you know your God. And that is, that, that is, that is, that is a safeguard for us. That's a safe place to be as a believer. You want to be in a safe place where you know your God, okay? But then the Bible also says, okay, 
I need to, I know my God. And what else does he say? He says, I know him and I will do what? I will do, I will be strong, right? Okay. Now, you know that as you spend time with God, I want to say you get stronger, but you get bolder. And I think that's part of that strength because God, God's care, part of God's character is his strength. And as you spend time with him, you get a lot stronger and you get a lot bolder. Matter of fact, you get to the point where something that looks impossible to other people becomes possible to you. And you don't even flinch because you know that the God you serve, there's nothing impossible with him. That's the kind of strength he'll put in you, that you don't back down from anything. So as you, as you become stronger, you become stronger in your confidence. Your confidence in him becomes stronger, believe it or not, as you spend time with him. Your confidence becomes stronger. There's nothing that you, uh, that you um, don't believe he can do. And not only do you become stronger, you become stronger in your ability to overcome temptation. Now, I know a lot of people say, okay, um, some of our overcoming temptation has to do with the fact that as you get older, you, some things you just can't do. But I'm telling you that as you spend time with God, there's some things that won't be a temptation to you because you know God that well. You know him. And not only do you know him, you love him enough. You love him enough not to go there. Does that mean you don't make mistakes? No, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean that if you go there, you'll get on your knees within minutes and start praying and ask God to forgive you because you know that's not his way. So you become stronger along that way. But not only that, you become stronger in your ability to strengthen somebody else. So then when someone comes around, a believer, and they're weak, because you are strong, because you spent time with God, you can lift a hand, give them a hand, and help them become stronger. Help them walk through this hurdle. Not condemn them because they're walking through a challenging time. But help them walk through this challenging time. Because you have strength that you've gotten from God, and you can share it now with somebody else. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Let's go to uh, Psalm 68, um, verse... 35, and it talks about the strength of God. Psalm 68, uh, verse uh, 35. 68 verse 35, and I'll be there in a minute. Okay, it says, Oh God, awe inspiring, profoundly impressive, and terrible are you out of your holy places. The God of Israel himself gives strength and fullness of might to his people. Blessed be God. Isn't that something? He gives us strength. So we get strength when we spend time with him. So now we know that if we know him, we'll do exploits. He'll give us strength. But what are the exploits we need to do? Well, I say go read the book of Acts. 
You can't read the book of Acts and not know about exploits. Do you realize that early church was accused of turning the whole world upside down because of all the exploits they did? They raised the dead. They healed people. They cast out demons. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and not only that, go to John, I'm going to go to, real quick, go to John, John 14, because Jesus tells us something here. This is Jesus talking to us. John, uh, John 14. And if you look at verses 12, and Jesus says, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, if anyone steadfastly believes in me, he himself will be able to do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these because I go to the Father. Jesus said we'll do greater things. And I'm talking to the church right now because right now in the church we're not doing greater things. Okay, we're not. And that we're fooling ourselves if we say we are. We are not. As a matter of fact, Catherine Kuhlman and Smith Wigglesworth should not be standalone people. You know, he, he raised people from the dead. How many Smith Wigglesworths do you know? Okay. How many Catherine Kuhlmans do you know? Okay. How many? They should be the norm not the exception. And we as the body of Christ have been willing to settle for the exception. God wants you. You, are you hearing me? He wants you to get up and do more than Jesus did. Now I say this all the time, and I, and I, and I mean this with all my heart, that we would never, ever, ever, ever have to have an evangelistic campaign in a church if all of us got up and did just what we just got finished reading in that scripture. Because if we did greater things, I'm telling you, you wouldn't have a seat in the church. As a matter of fact, you probably <laughs> you have to stay, probably, stay all night. You'd have to stay all night to guarantee you have a seat. Because it would be full of people wanting deliverance. And I think this time that we're in, this pandemic, it is almost wiping the slate clean. So as we as believers will get on our knees and pray, if we will pray, God will not only heal this land, he'll move supernaturally. People will be open to you laying hands on them. And it won't have to be in the church building. Because when, when, when the disciples walked, they weren't necessarily in the church building. They were walking in the streets. And their shadow fell on somebody. And they got healed. I'm telling you, we have got to start expecting, expecting to do great exploits for the God that we serve. And it's not okay for just one person. It's not okay for pastors to, to go and lay hands on people. I'm, I'm not saying that he shouldn't do it, but it's not okay for him to be the only one. 
is not okay. There are too many people who are sick who need healing. There's too many people who need deliverance. There's too many people demon-possessed because they've been playing with some of these games and Harry Potters and everything else that need some deliverance. And you are the only change agent. You are the only change agent the world will ever see. It has to come from us as believers. And so I know, I remember Saturday morning, we had this sweet person praying. And one of the things she said, we, I don't want to go back to the way it was. And I, I, and I believe that as believers, I hope that's a cry of your heart, that we don't want to go back to the way we were having church before. Us four and no more. And I say four, but you know what I mean. Even if it's 400, it's us 400 and no more. It's time for us to get out there and reach the masses. But not only reach the masses, it's time for us to get out and do great exploits for our God. Because when we do great exploits for our God, we lift him up. And the world looks and they see the God that we serve. And they want to know about the God we serve. Tell me about the God you serve. That's what they'll say if we get up and do what God's called us to do, which is great exploits. I, I, I trust that kind of helped you today. I want to encourage everyone uh, to, to just increase your prayer time. Spend time with the Father. Spend time with the Father. And um, if you are in a position right now where uh, you, you don't even have a prayer time because you're not serving God, you really don't have time that you have dedicated and spent and spent with God because you're not even right and right standing with God right now. So I'd like to encourage you, first of all, to make a commitment. And ask God to come into your heart and change you. But don't have an expectation of who you want to be like. Have an expectation that you want to be what God's called you to be. And God will move supernaturally for you. Because he has a special plan and a special purpose for your life. And if you will give him your all, give him your all everything that you have give it to him he will make your life beautiful he will make your life wonderful and you'll have a purpose beyond measure wow what an amazing message thank you for listening to our pathway to faith broadcast if you're ever in the kansas city metro area join bishop and dr howe at harvest church international outreach 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.